what if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Mind Body Healing Podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm really excited to be here with you for the third episode of the podcast. In this episode, I'm going to tell you all about how I healed from 15 years of chronic pain, which started from when I was just 12 years old. So I'm looking forward to this one sharing with you all the tools and things that I used and all the tools and things that are also available to you. But before we press on, don't forget to follow the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. So the handle for the show is at Let's Talk Mind Body Healing, all one word. Or you can find the links to the pages in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to rate and review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Or if your podcast platform doesn't do reviews, you can give a review on the Facebook page. So these reviews help get the message of healing out to others, others who may be struggling with pain, to let them know that it doesn't have to be the end, that there is hope and healing. Uh, But lastly, before we get into the episode, just onto my regular disclaimer, because your safety must always come first. Remember that almost any symptom you can think of can be mind-body, but in a rare number of cases, it can be a sign of something more serious. So always get medical clearance first. I hold my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. All the content I provide in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or a medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey. Until you have clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so, and until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case with your healthcare practitioner. Okay, perfect. So formalities and things out of the way. Now, as I said before, in this episode, I'm going to be telling you about how I have healed from 15 years of chronic pain. So if you'd like to know more about the types of pain that I have recovered from, then that's all in episode one. But basically, I experienced a lot of different chronic symptoms, sort of including migraines, TMJ, facial pain, thoracic outlet syndrome, cubital and carbidal tunnel and so on. Um, But the thing was, I did even forget to mention a few things I experienced when I was telling the story back in episode one, because it was 
just full on and there was just so much. So I'll drop one more because this is a symptom that can be embarrassing for people to talk about. But it happens and I think we do need to talk about embarrassing health concerns. So the other symptom I was also getting, so sort of at the height when things were really bad, I was also getting really painful spasms in my bottom. So just out of the blue, they would hit like someone was shoving a red hot knife up there and they would literally make me jump out of my skin, like out of the chair and I would just sort of have to hold my bottom. And that that sort of happened and it went on for a few months where I would just get these random spasms. So there you go. There is another symptom that can be mind body. Um, but as I've said repeatedly, in previous episodes, almost any painful or even non-painful condition you can think of can be a symptom of a mind-body disorder. I've heard of people healing from literally hundreds of conditions using mind-body approaches. So this work is widely applicable and available to you too. So in last episode, so episode two, I discussed some key mind-body theory and concepts through the work of John Sarno. If you haven't listened to this episode already, I do recommend going back and listening to it in order to help you make sense of why the approaches I've used for healing have helped me and why they can help you too. But I've decided that really quickly, I'll just summarize it now because if you are trying to heal from chronic pain, this is an important message to hear again and again and again until you really believe it. But of course, if you know this really well by now, if you've been working in the mind-body space for a little while, feel free to skip this uh, quick refresher. But uh, the crux of it is this. So broadly speaking, there are two types of pain, acute pain and chronic pain. Now, acute pain is usually straightforward. And I say usually because acute pain can certainly be mind-body as well. But acute pain from injuries, so when you hurt yourself, so, for example, you break a bone, sprain an ankle, pull a muscle, whatever. It hurts and it hurts in order to change your behavior. The brain needs to slow you down so your injury can heal. But chronic pain is a totally different story. And most of the medical community has absolutely no idea about why pain persists beyond three months. This is no secret. It is so common for chronic pain patients to be told, we don't know why. You see, the body is a remarkable healer. Soft tissue injuries tend to repair in weeks, while harder tissue injuries like bone heal in up to three months. And tissues that don't heal, like the discs in your spine, once they've degenerated, don't tend to cause pain. Research now shows this pretty conclusively for most abnormalities like degenerated discs there are plenty of people in the population who also have these but do not suffer from pain so after about three months from almost any injury there is no need for your pain from a physical bodily perspective but a mind-body perspective on chronic pain is totally different and at first, if you're hearing this for the first time, it might sound pretty unbelievable. He did to me. And once I did believe, I was able to heal. And so have countless 
probably millions of people by now from a wide range of conditions. So a mind-body perspective is this. The pain and physical symptoms you experience when they are chronic, while being very physical and very real in your body, are generated by your brain at a subconscious level to protect you from deep emotional hurts. Now, I have a quote from Dr. James Alexander uh, from a chapter he wrote for the PPD book in 2019, and it sort of sums it up. So this quote says, pain is being generated at an unconscious level to protect the person from having to be in contact with emotionally distressing material. It is often, but not always, but based on past events. There is a reservoir of distress which would be overwhelming if the person was fully in contact with it. Biological pathways are recruited in order to generate persistent physical pain for the purpose of monopolizing the sufferer's attention, thereby preventing immersion in the upsetting memories. So basically, chronic pain is there to change your behavior just like it was in acute pain, but in this case, It wants to change your behavior so that you focus your attention on your physical body and not your emotional world. But the best part about this is that you can truly heal from mind-body pain. So healing isn't always easy, but through knowledge of the condition, true belief that you can heal, and gradually coming into contact with the distressing emotional material that your brain is trying to protect you from in order to teach your brain that this material is safe, you can heal. Basically, if you can address the reasons why it feels safer to your brain for you to be in pain than not to be in pain, then there is no reason for your brain to continue generating the symptoms. But I do have to say that while this sounds simple, so getting knowledge of the condition, understanding what a mind-body illness is, believing in a mind-body illness, and then slowly coming into contact with the distressing emotional material that your body is trying to protect you from, so teaching your brain that these emotions are safe, it can actually be really difficult. So simple, but difficult, and sometimes incredibly so. For me, it was. And the hardest part is that there are no set steps to follow while you're trying to heal that can guarantee success. This isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. At the end of the day, you have to find the right set of techniques that work for you. So different things might work for you to help you believe. Different things might help for you to help you understand And different things might work for you to help you get to those emotions that your brain is interpreting as dangerous for you. And my story at the end of the day, I hope you what you'll take from this is that I just had to find the right techniques that worked for me and what it was that my brain and body needed to heal. And my story is one of probably millions of TMS healing stories by now. And there will be more on the podcast. I've actually just finished doing my first guest interview. But it's one story using one set of techniques. And there are a lot available to you now. So as we go through, 
Uh, maybe just see what resonates for you. So I will start though by saying that this is absolutely, without a doubt, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. My mind-body disorder was definitely a mix of all three issues pointed out by Sano. So again, go back to episode two if you want to know more. But childhood, personality and current life stresses or pressures, Sano would call them. And some of the issues that were driving my mind-body disorder, particularly the personality and childhood, go really deep. And in order to heal, these are the sort of steps and motions that I that I went through. And you'll see these as I go through my story. But I had to believe. I had to learn to be in and with my body again. So I had to learn not to be totally and utterly afraid of my own body. I had to remove the anxiety and fear around the pain. I had to learn to feel my emotions. And then I've had to slowly kind of one by one break through the subconscious blockages of emotions trapped in my body. And all of this was slow. And there have been multiple blockages for me and I know I'm not done yet. Um, but I've had to move through things like self-hatred, hating this person in my life. Uh, and the one I'm working through now is feeling unloved. And coming face to face with these issues, my deepest emotional hurts so deep that my brain felt it needed to protect me from them by generating pain, has been so emotionally painful. And I was really afraid. So many times I just wanted to quit. But I do also have to say, though, that this process literally saved my life in ways that I didn't even know I needed saving. Going through this process, I've experienced whole person healing, not just of the physical pain but of the deep, unconscious, gaping, emotional wounds that I didn't even know I was carrying around. So thankfully, I didn't quit. And this sort of healing really is available to you too. But I'll get onto all of this more later on. For now, let's return to where I left off at the end of episode one. So we left off with me cutting ties with the last neurologist. So I'd said, no more, no and I was tired of being poked and prodded and drugged and stuck with needles. And I was tired of being told that the best I could hope for was management and for the management that they were offering me just making things worse. So I said no to the neurologist and walked out. But the thing was, I didn't know where to turn. So in episode one, I also said that just before visiting the neurologist, I had come across an app called Curable. But I had quickly uninstalled the app after getting partway through the pain education and thinking that this app is too basic for someone who's been through as much as me. But after leaving the neurologist's office, well, I went back to the only alternative I knew about, the Curable app. So the second I got home, I downloaded it and paid for the subscription because the first time I'd only used the, first, the free trial. So this time I was determined to do all of it all the education, all the journaling, all the brain training and all the meditation. And that very afternoon, uh, I got into it. And sort of the first journaling exercise that I remember doing was dividing my page into three and writing a list of stressful childhood events, current life stresses and personality characteristics that may be causing stress. So you can see that this is very aligned with Sano, though I didn't know it at the time. Uh, and it's also very rooted in brain science, a curable app, modern brain science. But I did the activity and I thought, oh, this is hard, but it's nothing I'm not aware of. 
How is this going to help me? Uh, but I pressed on without any other alternatives. And I did get through pretty much the whole app over a space of a few months, at least what was on offer at the time. But the thing was, I didn't really get much pain relief at all from the app. Maybe a smidge. And that was it. And maybe it was the case that I needed to repeat some of the activities or dig deeper into some of them. But I'd sort of done everything that I felt was relevant to me once and I just wasn't up for it anymore. And this isn't to say that I don't recommend the app. I've actually recently purchased a lifetime subscription to the app now because I think it's really fantastic. Uh, the app's well done and I've learned so much from it and I will like to keep updated on their updates. Um, and so many people do get relief from the app. I was still just too much of a mess at the time. But there were some positive changes. So the best part for me was being introduced to meditation, which, as you'll see later in my story, ended up being a huge part of my recovery. So I'll say that before committing to the app, I was actually really, really scared of even giving meditation a go. I was the type of person who could not sit still at all. I was always sort of wiggling my legs and shaking. And even sort of back in high school, I remember being that way. So my friends would get mad at me if I would sit next to them in class because I would wiggle my legs so much under the desk that the, the desk would shake. And, you know, I've, I've just always been that way. Even at the end of a yoga class, I could never stay for the meditations. I just couldn't sit still with myself. Now, looking back, it's clearly an indication that my nervous system was pretty revved up and I was definitely kind of stuck in fight or flight. Um, but the meditations in the app, they were as short as five minutes and you usually sort of scan through your body quite quickly. So I never felt like I was sitting still with myself. So, yeah, there were some positives, but, yeah, not really much pain relief for me. But while I was going through the app, so I was doing a few things at once, I also started looking for as many other resources I could find. So books and podcasts and sort of websites and so on. And I must have read, I've probably read about oh, 25 books or so on the topic by now. And I'm still reading because I think this is the most fascinating topic out. Um, but the big, the big thing, the next big thing that I came across was Nicole Sachs. So Nicole has a podcast called The Cure for Chronic Pain, which is another great free resource for you to look up. So Nicole, what Nicole teaches about is something called journal speak, which is sort of this stream of consciousness journaling where you sit down for 20 minutes a day and write without any sort of censorship at all. So you just let yourself speak and let yourself speak any horrible truths that may be in there. And when you're done, you, you throw the writing away. And I guess sort of the goal is to gradually come in contact with the difficult emotions and buried traumas that you know, you're afraid to feel and so doing to teach your brain that these are safe for you to think and feel. And Nicole also says to start with the list of childhood, personality and current life. So that's what I did. I journaled every day and listened to Nicole's podcast every day and I did this also for months. And I really still only got a smidge of pain relief. It was like my pain wasn't moving through all this journaling and all through the curable app. But at the same time, um, I also read a book called Think Away Your Pain by David Schechter. So this book to me is probably one of the best TMS books out because of the, the effect it had on me. So reading this book made me realise 
that I'd been through the whole Curable app and I'd been journaling for months, but I didn't believe in it. I still wasn't sold on the mind-body stuff. I thought, think even though it logically made sense in my mind, I didn't believe it. Not in my heart in particular. I didn't believe in myself enough. I didn't believe I could get better. I mean, I'd had this since I was a kid. How was I going to get over this thing? And anyone working in this space will tell you that belief in both your head and in your heart, in one, mind-body illnesses in general, in two, that you have a mind-body illness, and three, that you can get better, are all key to getting over this thing. So this book, creating this book, changed things for me. It was written in such a way that I felt something shift inside. I started to believe more. So I decided to do the biggest, bravest thing I could think of to try and prove to myself that I can do this, that I am strong, that I am okay, that all of this is coming from my brain, not some disease or damage or thing that I can't heal, that I'm stuck with forever. So I could show my brain that I'm boss. So I made the decision to wean off all my medications, even though I wasn't feeling better yet. And at the time, I was still in a bunch. So I was still getting Botox in my jaw because without it, I couldn't open my mouth. I was taking melatonin and temazepam for insomnia. I was still taking Norflex, a muscle relaxant and painkillers. And I was pretty much eating painkillers by the handful all day, every day. So it really was a brave and maybe stupid decision. And of course, I have to say, I don't recommend you doing this without discussing it with your doctor And it's absolutely not necessary to do this to heal. Many TMS doctors will tell you that you can still take painkillers and things as needed while you're healing. So, but I think for me, this was an act of, and it sounds weird to say, but sheer desperation. I needed to do do something huge to prove to myself that I could do it. Uh, But I will say it wasn't that long before some of the medication started creeping back in. I did stay off a lot of them. Uh, but it made my life significantly worse. But I'm stubborn and determined. Um, and, and that was it for me. I'd, I'd made the choice that I didn't need the medications and that was that. And after doing this, I made another brave decision and decided to enroll in a meditation teacher's course at the Australian Centre for Meditation and Mindfulness. And this was brave for me because I was still pretty scared of meditating. But because of my experience with the Curable app, I had this sense that meditation had something to offer me. And obviously, if you want to learn how to meditate more deeply, you don't have to enroll in a meditation teacher's course. But I had chosen to do this because I already had the sense that if and when I healed myself, this is something I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. So I wanted to really deeply explore meditation, not only to learn it, but to learn to teach it so I could help others. Uh, So that's why I went on a deep journey learning how to meditate. But to give you an idea of how hard this was for me and what you too can overcome with your own body and your own fears of your body, when I first started doing the meditations for the certification, I struggled tremendously. So the meditations um, at ACMM generally start with a grounding practice where you become aware of all your senses and sort of ground yourself in the present environment. And that's followed by a body awareness or a body relaxation and then a meditative technique. 
And these body awarenesses or relaxations can be quite extensive. They can go for, you know, 30 minutes or so. And for me, this was challenging. It was sort of at this point that I realised that I was actually terrified of my own body. So when I first started, the only part of my body I could become mindfully aware of was my feet. That was the only part I could sit with and properly become aware of what's really going on there. Because these meditations, they were really detailed. Really get to know what's happening in your body. Get comfortable with the sensations. But I was terrified. And it was at this point that I realised that I had coped with the pain for all of these years by completely disassociating with my own body. And because of this, I did not know my body. I did not know how to be in my body. I was scared of my own body. And I guess if I had never done the meditation course, I never would have put this together. But the thing is, it's actually really common among chronic pain patients because our bodies are so painful. They hurt, right? And if you go back to Sano, this is part of the purpose of pain, chronic pain. It's a distraction to stop you from feeling the emotions in your body. And that's exactly what had happened to me. So it was really slow going. Um, but thankfully, after months of sort of just inching up my body, inching up, inching up, in every meditation I would sit there and just become mindfully aware of something a little higher, a little higher, I was eventually able to sit in and with and be with my entire body. And this did take a while. I had to be very patient with myself. But when I was able to do it, it was incredible, amazing to be able to just be with myself. Um, yeah, wow. And without the meditation, I would, as I said before, I don't think I would have put together just how disassociated I was with my own body. And it's also had other beneficial effects on me. So I could tell I was starting to become more relaxed. I think for the first time in over a decade, there were moments where I was starting to dip out of fight or flight. And I was able to sit still for the first time in my life. My mind felt calmer. And still to this day, I meditate every single day because I absolutely love the effect it has. Um, but while it did bring a ton of positive changes, there was still a whole lot of fear and anxiety around the pain and I didn't get much pain relief. And I was sort of, sort of at this point, I could scan through my entire body in meditation. So I'd made huge progress and I was still journaling. So I'd also actually taken a journaling course as part of the meditation teacher training where I had done things like write letters to my childhood self, um, written about uh, past traumas to people who had hurt me and so on. But in addition to this, um, I was getting pretty worried because I had really journaled about everything on my list. So you go back to Nicole Sachs, so the childhood, the current life and the personality. And I journaled about these things at least once and some things more than once. And I felt like I'd resolved a lot of things. So, for example, I journaled about the medical trauma I had experienced. So I journaled about this so much that I'd come to this point where I could understand that 
the doctors were trapped in this broken system, a system that treats the symptoms of chronic pain, not the causes. And doctors are also being hurt by this system. And they're probably just as frustrated as I am about the lack of effective treatment. And so I'd let go of some of the feelings around this. And I guess the thing they say is forgiveness is for yourself. So, right, being mad at the doctors, this doesn't affect any of them. They have no idea how I'm feeling. The only person that's holding on to all this anger affects is me. Right? So I'd let go of a lot of things. I journaled about everything on my list. And I felt like I'd made really great progress with the meditation. But I also was, felt like none of that mattered because the pain was still there. My pain had really moved just a smidge, a smidge more than a smidge, maybe like, I don't know, 10%. And the thing is, a lot of people in the mind-body field will prescribe journaling, including Sano, and many people will now tell you that journaling is all you need to heal. And that's something I'd heard over and over again. And for many people, this is obviously true, and it may be enough for you. But I'd reached a point where my journaling had run out of steam and I didn't really know what else to do. So I realised I needed more help. So I then reached out to the Pain Psychology Centre in America. So if you've never heard of them before, the Pain Psychology Centre is really big in the mind-body healing space. And they also have their own podcast called Tell Me About Your Pain. And this podcast is brilliant. It's a really, really good free resource for you. And so I started working with one of their psychologists. And the major thing we worked on was the fear of the pain. And I think this was exactly what I needed to work on at this point of my healing journey. And so sort of during these sessions, we would do a lot of what's called somatic tracking. So that's basically watching your pain or other sensations in your body like a detached or sort of curious observer. So learning to be with your pain in ways that signal to your brain that it is safe. And in some ways, I found it similar to the mindfulness, but more focus, I guess, and a bit more challenging again. And through this process, through working with the Pain Psychology Centre, I was able to work a lot on my anxiety around the pain. So I had this tendency, right? My brain had this tendency to always be looking for it. So, you know, to always be like, where is it? What's it doing? How much does it hurt right now? Where's the pain? What's it doing? And I was actually doing that all day from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed. And I had to sort of learn to identify that as anxiety and to be patient with myself in order to let go of this anxiety and to let go of the fear I had around the pain. And this took time and patience. And I don't think there's any way to get there other than time. And letting go was really hard because when my brain did start to be quiet, I would panic. Be like, oh my God, what am I supposed to be thinking about right now? What did I ever think about before I got the pain? Because my brain had been so anxious that actually for so long, being quiet was foreign to me. Now I do have to say I actually love the peace and quiet, but I had to learn to like it for sure. And that was huge for me. So one of the keys to healing actually is to become indifferent to your pain. And yes, that sounds crazy, I know. But a lot of people working in this space will tell you that continuing to look for the pain all the time continues to generate fear, which keeps your nervous system feeling like you're in some sort of danger. 
So I did really, in the end, become indifferent to my pain. So when it was there, it was there. I, it was there. It was just going to do what it wanted. Um, and it was an ongoing process and it did take a long time. And while I was doing that, so sort of in the midst of this, the Australian Centre for Meditation and Mindfulness had an online meditation retreat. And the theme of the retreat was finding your unique offering as a meditation teacher. So this retreat actually came at the perfect time for me. For me, it was a little bit like fate. So we spent three days meditating and exploring who we are and what has made us this way. And one of the exercises we did was to draw out a timeline of major events that have impacted us and what we learned or took from them, good or bad. And then we shared these timelines with others in small groups in a safe space and then meditated on it. So this is an exercise I recommend to you, drawing out the timeline of your life and the events, good and bad, and how they may be affecting you today and how you took positive things even from negative events. And maybe even looking at how these events may coincide with your pain. But so this actually ended up being huge for me. So while I was sort of meditating on this activity, I had this realisation. I was laying there and this thought popped into my head when I was thinking about my timeline. And this thought was, I hate myself. I look back at my life and everything I've done is because I hate myself. And it was like I'd become aware that on this really deep level, I really hate myself. So from all the journaling and all the things I'd done, I was not able to get to this until this point. It was something that was buried really deep. And then something shifted inside of me. And for the first time in a very long time, as I was laying there meditating, I felt an emotion in my body. I felt right, rage actually. And it was this hot sensation that sort of rose up from my belly and up to my neck. It was like it wanted to explode out of me. My body was shaking and it was hot. And oh, wow, was I afraid. I didn't know what it was and I didn't know what was happening to me. I had no idea what it was. So I had gotten pretty good at not being phased by sensations in my body. But this one was new and it was actually my first subconscious blockage um, and it was only now that I was finally able to come in contact with the feeling behind it so that feeling of hate the the hate I held for myself so I finished the retreat and furiously started googling what it was what that thing was what had happened to me of course don't do it don't google your pain um, it can be pretty catastrophic out there we all know we shouldn't do that um, but I couldn't help myself and on my Googling, I came across the term alexithymia, which basically means being unable to feel your emotions or to understand what you are feeling separately from your thoughts. And I was really confused because I actually didn't realize you were supposed to feel emotions separately from your thoughts. What? I thought. I didn't realize that an emotion, when you feel an emotion, you actually feel something in your body, that that's what emotions are. I couldn't ever remember being able to feel that. I only ever knew what I was thinking about something. I thought, oh my God, I don't have feelings. 
I was so disassociated from my own body. My brain was so threatened by my emotions. I hadn't felt anything for as long as I could remember. My normal state was totally and utterly numb. Now, to some degree, I could feel sadness. I was a massive crier, but I could never feel the like coldness that comes across your chest when you're sad. It was like I'd cry with overwhelm, but not actual sadness. And that was it. That was the state of my emotional world at that point in my life. For as long as I could remember, that was, that was my emotional world. So if you go back to the journaling and the curable app and all the things I'd done for months, I'd spent months doing these things, writing about my traumas and thinking I was processing them. But I wasn't actually feeling any of it. So I wasn't learning that any of it was safe to feel. So this new knowledge, I took both of these things to the psychologist I was seeing at the pain psychology centre. So both that I hated myself and I didn't think that I could feel any of my emotions. And we worked on those for a little bit until I sort of came to this realisation that I don't actually hate myself. Really, I don't know myself at all. My self-esteem was so low because of the repeated uh, small T traumas and things that I had been through that on this unconscious level, I was so afraid of who I would be if I just let myself be. I spent my whole life controlling myself and pushing the authentic parts of myself down and away. So that was a really deep realisation that I came to. But we didn't really work on the emotions and deep traumas as much as I wanted to. So the psychologist I was seeing, she suggested I go and see an EMDR therapist or something along those lines if I wanted to dig into my trauma in this way. So in the end, um, I decided to part ways with the pain psychology centre. And again, this isn't a negative reflection at all on them. I actually progressed amazingly there. It was just at that time I felt like I needed something else. I was no longer afraid of the pain and really I was ready to dig in and do the deep emotional work. So I'd parted ways and I was in this little limbo, not sure of what to do next because finding a new therapist is not easy. So while I was kind of waiting and looking, I was journaling and meditating and still somatic tracking on my own. So I would sort of do the meditating and somatic tracking together and that's it. I was sort of dedicating about an hour to the work a day and about half an hour of that was in part because I had to do a full meditation for the meditation teacher's course. But what I'd started trying to do throughout the entire day was trying to observe what emotions might be in my body. And I remember two things happening. Uh, the first, and I'll be honest, this one is a bit personal, but if it happened to me, I'm sure it happens to many other people as well. So I was meditating and I was doing this sort of inside or one seat meditation and I was just opening up and asking myself, what do I feel right now? What do I feel in this moment? And I sat there for a while and I just waited and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, and I realised I felt aroused. So I actually hadn't felt aroused in many years. My husband and I went through a really rough period shortly before we got married. I mean, we got married pretty young. I was only 22 and there was so much going on in our lives. So I think it's a pretty normal thing what we were going through. But my little fear brain, so this was back when I was such a mess, 
Um, it had some negative experiences. And as a result, it had become obviously afraid of being aroused. So that was the first. And the second thing that happened was I was coming home from work one day. And as I came into the front door, I saw my husband waiting for me. And this happiness erupted in my chest, this warm sensation spreading through me. And that's actually the first time in my life that I remember feeling happiness, like feeling it, not just thinking it. So at this point, it had been a few weeks since leaving the pain psychology center. Um, and I'll, I'll say my pain is maybe 30 to 40% better overall after everything I've done. So while I was at the pain psychology center, I should say, I did start getting days without pain for the first time in my, in my life, right? Um, but now at this point, some of the medications had start, started to creep in, so more of them were creeping back in. But I was taking them as needed and not handfuls all day. But what happened was I actually started to suffer from a new symptom. So I now started suffering from severe anxiety. And I've never had anxiety in my life. Well, anxiety that I could feel in my body, right? Because I just couldn't feel anything in my body. It was always just in my mind. And related to that, panic attacks. And there were a lot of panic attacks. And this went on for a few weeks. And I remember in one of the weeks I had about six of them. And one time I was going to the toilet at work and I sort of just felt my chest closing up and the world was spinning and I couldn't breathe and my heart was racing. And I just remember, I remember at that point just giving in and <laughs> sliding off the toilet and laying on the floor of the cubicle, sort of pants still down, head sort of curled in next to the toilet bowl and the wall, trying not to panic in this really vulnerable position. Uh, so, yeah, I got, I got through it, um, but things were still tough, even though I had done all this healing work. And at the time, I didn't know what was happening. But looking back now... I believe it was actually some of my other emotions now starting to rise. So the panic attacks were a positive thing, believe it or not. So the next thing I came across, because I'm still reading every book I can find, is Adam Heller's Zero Pain Now. And he calls TMS distraction pain syndrome. And his theory is very similar to Sano's, that the pain is a distraction from your repressed emotions. So he has a program where basically you sit with yourself and it's easier if you have someone with you. And you basically zone in from like your chin to maybe your belly button. I'm not 100% on the area, but it's about that region. And you ask yourself, what am I feeling? Or you get the person with you to ask you that. So what am I feeling? And you keep doing this and watching the emotions that are there until usually you get to the one that's causing your pain. So that's, that's Adam Heller's sort of program. And he has some, had some pretty dramatic success with that. Um, and he has some cases in his book of people curing themselves in one session through getting to an emotion that's related to something in their past that they're afraid to feel. And with some follow-up work that they do on their emotions, they remain pain-free. So I was like, yes, great. This is going to work. So I sat down with my husband and did this. We did maybe like a two-hour session. Uh, but the thing was, throughout the whole session, I basically couldn't figure out what I was feeling. 
I still couldn't get my body to feel anything. So aside from the couple of times I had felt things, so the arousal and the happiness and the rage, I still pretty much wasn't feeling. And when things were trying to rise, I was actually having panic attacks. So it was quite a frustrating two hours for me. Uh, but that's okay, because actually I believe this process did really accelerate things. Two weeks later, I was laying there in meditation and boom, these emotions started to rise out of me one by one and I had no control over it. So like coldness in my chest, tension in my chest, heaviness in my chest, throbbing in my neck, it's like I can't breathe, all this fear, anger, sadness, joy that I thought was really undeserved. So I didn't think I deserved happiness. Just started flowing out of my body. My body finally felt safe enough to start releasing trauma. And this sort of went on for weeks. These emotions were rising whenever I meditated. I think whenever my nervous system had lowered enough or calmed enough, and sometimes just throughout the day. So what would happen was I would sort of just feel them. And it's hard to explain if you hadn't, haven't been through it. But I would feel an emotion sort of just sitting at the surface, like it was ready to break through and be released. And I had to lean into it and really work to try and make it feel bigger to let the emotion out. Um, and at this point, uh, there is some positive news. So I actually stopped getting the panic attacks because I was learning to just allow, to just allow everything that wants to move through my body to do that. I learned it was all temporary and I just had to be calm and let my body do what it wanted to do. I had to learn that I just had no control. Um, and of course, this was really uncomfortable and really scary. It was like I felt like I had to remain calm so my body could still feel safe enough to let go of these traumas and emotions and to do the healing it was doing. So I had felt like I had to do everything I could to remain calm. But I was also just feeling exhausted. And there were a couple of times I actually found myself just wishing for it to stop and for the pain to come back. Um, but thankfully I did, I got through it. And I spoke about earlier, right at the very start, about how for me there have been these sort of different layers of subconscious blockages. So this was layer one, <laughs> all these emotions coming out. And it's, this has sort of happened to me a few times. So every time I've broken through another layer, but it's gotten easier each time and not as, yeah, it's easier. And sometimes now I just lean into the emotions and I enjoy them actually. And yeah, I think the kind of breaking through the layer and having this explosion of emotions, it doesn't happen to everyone. It just depends on sort of why you have TMS in your sort of individual case. Um, you have to remember that I didn't feel anything for years and years and years. So I feel like I have this like just stuck stuff everywhere. Um, but anyway, so during my first one, that my pain drastically reduced and I came off all my medications again and I've been actually pretty clear since. And I actually haven't taken so much as a Panadol since. And that's not to say that in, in the future, if I needed a Panadol for any reason that I, I wouldn't take it. But what I'm saying is my chronic symptoms have been so good for the last, 
you know, nearly five months now that I haven't needed one. So chronic pain-wise, things are going pretty amazingly right now. And if you think about where I was before I started all of this, like, that is incredible. I never imagined I could get to this stage. That I could go from someone, right, who, who I, was, I was begging to die. Like, that is how, how bad I felt and how much pain I was in. And, yeah, I'm absolutely flabbergasted at how far I have come but this, this isn't quite the end of my story. Um, so yeah, I'm almost at the end. There are a couple more things. So the pain reduced drastically. But there was still maybe about, I don't know, I would say 10% of it there. So I was determined to keep going. So the next thing I did was I actually found a breathing therapist. So a lot of TMS obviously comes from your mind. But there are things you can do with your body to help. Things with you, that you can do with your body to help calm your nervous system and sort of checking in with your body throughout the day, making sure you're not tensing, relaxing your tummy and breathing properly are all sort of things you can do to help stay calm. And for me, through the meditation, I'd been learning how to do that, learning how to relax and be calm throughout the day. But I was very aware that I wasn't breathing properly because I'd spent so much time hunched over with upper cross syndrome I was breathing in my chest, doing these shallow chest breaths and not with my diaphragm in my belly. So chest breathing actually fires up your nervous system, contributing to the danger signals and contributing to the pain. But the thing was, I didn't know how to change my breathing patterns myself. So I found a breathing therapist and went through a month-long program and sort of retrained myself how to breathe and released my diaphragm. So at the start of the program, my breathing speed was actually sort of a mild form of hyperventilation. So I was walking around almost hyperventilating. Um, but by the end, I could breathe easy. Um, my diaphragm had released and I was breathing much slower. And this made such a difference to me. It was like reaching a new level of relaxed. And I started sleeping better. And I gained pretty much a pretty powerful tool to help me when I'm feeling an emotion rise or when I feel stressed. So I actually just spend large parts of my day now just watching my breath in amazement about how good it feels to just breathe. And I should say as well, some of the things we also did was he showed me how to walk properly. So standing up upright in a relaxed fashion, using your postural muscles and breathing properly as you walk. So again, this comes back to what you can do with your body to help you be calm. And this has also made a big difference. But it was also a really big challenge for me. When he first showed me how I was supposed to be walking, I bawled my eyes out and I said, how do people walk like this? I'm not confident enough to walk like that. You know, standing tall and proud and chest open. And yeah, I cried and for quite a while I was really upset by how difficult it was for me because I didn't have the confidence. But doing that, learning how to walk like that, I feel like it did give me some confidence actually in the end. And again, that's something that's made a big difference difference for me. So at this point now, we're sort of in December of last year. So we're getting really close to the end. Um, oh, and I should say that while I was undertaking the breathing therapy, I purchased the 
Um, Curable had a Black Friday sale where you could purchase the Curable groups. So they're group therapy program, but you could just purchase the workshop videos without enrolling in the program. So I did that and I did all of those videos like a refresher and they were also awesome. But yeah, um, so now I'm at this point, I finished the breathing therapy and it was late December and I was feeling pretty good and I decided, that's it, I made the decision. I said, you know what? I am chronic pain free. That's it. And I wasn't entirely, but the thing was I didn't want the identity anymore. I was so done with it, but in a good way. I was ready to move into the next phase of my life. And since then, so since just deciding I'm dropping this identity, I don't want this anymore, I've noticed some pretty dramatic changes in my life. So I've started moving my body for joy for the first time. So I did exercise a lot during my recovery, but I had sort of started exercising kind of before I found the mind-body work. It was when the first physio pointed out that I had pretty severe upper cross syndrome that I really threw myself into exercise because I was disgusted by my own body. Um, So I was quite lucky in that the fear of movement wasn't a big thing for me. Um, except for my jaw, I was pretty afraid to move that for a long time um, and sort of relearning how to eat and to not be afraid of that and training my brain that that it wasn't a painful thing, that it didn't have to be painful. That was, that was a challenge for me. But yeah, during this period, I started moving my body for joy when I was exercising. Prior to this, I was just exercising to punish myself. I hated my body and it was just an act of anger at my own body. And things like every time I would go to a yoga class, I would cry my way through the whole class over how much my body was failing me and how much I hated it. Yeah, sort of at this point, I have started now being able to move and exercise and movement is for joy. And now when I do a yoga class, I find myself smiling at how good it feels just to move and move my body the way bodies should be moved. And a large part of that, I guess, is being able to breathe properly. Um, But also my upper cross syndrome has finally almost resolved. So the tension that was in my chest that was holding my shoulders forward all this time had finally started to ooze out through doing the emotional work. Um, So there is still a touch of an issue there. Um, But, yeah, it's it's getting there. It's almost gone. Um, And during this period, I also started to become just a lot less afraid of everything. So the example I'll give you is food. So prior to finding the mind-body work, when I was sort of at the height of my pain, I turned to diet as a way to try and control my pain. It didn't work at all, but it did feel good to be controlling something. But I cut out caffeine and sugar and alcohol and anything that was processed and dairy. And I don't eat meat, so I'm a vegetarian. Um, And so I had developed a lot of fear around food. But it was at this point I started to relax just just a little as well. So, well, I still do pride myself on holistic health. So I think that while, yes, mind-body stuff is really important, I still think that being healthy physically and putting good things into your body is still important. But I'm not afraid of food anymore. And, And I know it wasn't at all responsible for my pain So if I want to go and have a drink of alcohol now, I'm not going to worry about getting a migraine afterwards because, yeah, it had no relationship to my pain. And, um, yeah, at the moment, 
So those sort of things have melted away over the last few months. So where am I at? Um, sort of the emotions rising have slowed, but I still have work to do. But this work is, you know, emotional work. And now it is coming from a place of love rather than a place of fear and feeling desperate to need to change the pain. Because the pain is really such a, a minor thing now. Um, but I am aware that there are still some blockages, some emotions that need to be worked through. So when I tune into my body, there is still a lot of anger there. And far less than there was before, yes. But there are still some things to move through. And actually over the last three days, I have had a little bit of a spike in symptoms as I have moved through another sort of layer, another another fear. Um, and this is really challenging for me still, but I am getting there and I'm going to get there. It's all going to fade away. Um, but I have needed help. I still do need, need help doing this. And I have found myself a new therapist to help with that. And he is excellent. Uh, we talk about my emotions and traumas and he helps me to identify what I'm feeling and why. And he's also helped me to figure out the subconscious defenses that my brain has developed other than the pain that stopped me from feeling emotions. So for example, the emotion I feel most comfortable with is sadness. So my brain tends to turn everything into sadness. So when I'm angry about something, sadness will sort of layer on top in an attempt to distract me. Because being sad makes you small, but being angry makes you big. And I've always been afraid to take up space or to need anything. So, yeah. But slowly I'm tearing down these strategies and I am becoming a whole integrated person. Recently I've just started doing as well something called neuroemotional technique. So I can't say much about this yet because I've only just started. Uh, but hopefully I'm going to be able to keep working and pulling back these layers. But what I will say is I am 95% chronic pain free. But I do call myself totally chronic pain free. Because I do experience sort of prickles of sensations in my face or jaw or neck. And I call them prickles because they're pretty minor and I'm not afraid of them. I can usually get them to go away quite quickly when I tune into my emotions. Uh, and rarely, on the odd occasion, I will get sort of more painful pain, more than a prickle. But that just means I need to go and sit with something difficult on my own and to process an emotion it just means that at that point, my body isn't feeling safe and I need to do something to help me feel safe. Um, I'm not worried at all by it because I see the links between my emotions and the pain. And I understand that on a deep level, that this is just part of the human experience. Big emotions are big. And I'm actually a really sensitive person who feels emotions on a deep level. I never thought I would say that. But it's true. And the thing is, my life right now is 7 million times better than I thought it ever could be. So for the first time in my life, I can feel happiness. I know how I feel about things. So there's a difference between your thoughts and your feelings. But I didn't know this before. I didn't know how to serve my own needs before. 
I didn't know what made me happy or sad or when I felt afraid. I didn't know what I needed, so how was I able to serve my own needs? I was living my life in black and white without feeling and in fear of everything, including myself. Now, I never thought I would ever say this, but I'm grateful for the pain because it was my body trying to tell me something. The pain offered me an entry point to this whole person, deep healing, to heal my deep emotional hurts that were impacting me on a subconscious level all of the time. So now I feel like a new person, and in some ways I am. This work has given me the courage to start this podcast and to dream and to chase my dreams. I'm literally turning my whole career around after completing a PhD so I can help others with this work. But yeah, um, that's it. That's, that was a lot in that story. Um, and it was pretty hard for me to tell because I was often doing a lot of things at once. Um, but I hope that what I got across was that healing from a mind-body disorder can be really hard and it can take a really long time. You are rewiring your brain. I wanted to give up and I felt hopeless so many times. And the thing was the healing wasn't linear. So some days I felt like I'd make great progress. Other days I felt like I was taking 10 steps backwards. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade this work for the world because, yeah, it's, it's been incredible getting to know myself. Uh, so to conclude, I will leave you with the following tidbits of advice that I learned during my journey. So first, there isn't really a set way to heal from a mind-body disorder. Everybody has it for a different reason. You need to find the tools that work for you. There are heaps out there now. Uh, podcasts like this one or the ones I've mentioned throughout the show. Apps like Curable, books, um, and if you need it. A lot of people don't, by the, by the way. Uh, but therapy, and this includes finding the right therapist and the right therapy techniques if you decide to go back, go that way. Uh, the second one, this work takes time. You can't put a time frame on it however much you want to, and it can be really bloody hard. In some ways, I think I'm going to be doing this work for the rest of my life, continuing to work on myself and peel back the layers of why and how and who I am. Um, the third one, your traumas, big or small, are all valid. Sanu was clear that small traumas add up and have, can have the same effect on you as big traumas. Your experience, your pain, whatever it is, is valid. The fourth one, you need to get comfortable with being really uncomfortable. Feeling emotions is uncomfortable. Feeling pain is uncomfortable. But you need to learn to be in your body and to experience these uncomfortable things so that they can move through you instead of getting stuck and causing you more pain. So I try to spend all day in my body now and to just welcome whatever comes. At the end of every day, I still also spend some time meditating and opening up to my emotions and just seeing what's there. And this is hard. Being human is, is hard. Okay, uh, the next one. I think I'm up to five. This one, your emotions aren't always rational. Don't judge yourself for any of them. It's okay to hate even the people you love. It's okay to hate, I don't know, being a parent or your parents. It's, it's okay. These are emotions. They don't have to be rational. Just let yourself feel them and process them, whatever they are, and love yourself nonetheless. Uh, the next one, so six, 
You need to let go of the identity of being someone who has chronic pain. This can be harder than you think, when, particularly when it's been a huge part of your life for a really long time. You know, you go and see someone and they go, oh, how's your pain? You know, it, it actually does become a part of your identity. And I'll probably do a whole podcast on this at some point, but a lot of programs will recommend you stop talking about the pain altogether. Uh, for me, I try not to use the word pain anymore when I'm talking about myself. I'll usually say that, oh, the emotions are coming through my face again. Because I think that's a more accurate label. Um, so seven, don't let the work become everything. So don't spend all day doing this stuff. I was guilty of that for a while. But doing so just continues to signal to your brain that something is wrong. So the work is important. You need to give time to it. But you also need to live your life and look for joy. And I think a major turning point for me was when I started doing the work out of love for myself. I started doing the work, yeah, because I wanted to know myself more and be more in tune with myself. I wasn't doing it to fix the pain anymore. So that was major. Um, and the last one, lucky last, is that the reason why you have a mind-body disorder might not be what you think. So when I started the work, I thought, yeah, I know, I can list a bunch of childhood stresses, a bunch of current stresses, and I definitely have the personality. But what I did was I spent a lot of time processing the things that sort of, I guess you could say, had happened to me. And I'm not saying I didn't need to look here. There was a lot of healing that happened here, especially in relation to my childhood and in putting together the pieces of who and why I am. And so the most, one of the most influential steps in my healing journey to date was being able to say, I hate you, and to feel it about, um, I'm just going to say this person. So I'd said I hate you about this person before, but I'd never come in contact with the feeling behind the words. And this feeling was so buried, I was afraid to feel it for many reasons. And not the least is that I also care for this person. So there's internal conflict there, severe conflict and this person did care for me while I was growing up. Um, but yeah, they did bring a lot of fear and trauma into my life too. So I journaled a lot about this person and some of the things that had happened in our relationship before the feeling was able to come out in therapy many months later. Um, and it may be interesting for you to know that even now, when I come in contact with this person, my pain still does flare at times. So I'm probably not done here. Um, but yeah, a lot of deep healing did happen here. But in addition to this, it wasn't until I shone the light on myself as well and my relationship with myself that I began to find pain relief. And going into this, I never would have thought that my relationship with myself was responsible for large parts of my TMS. But really, it was always there. So when I would talk about my pain, I would say that the bones in my face and my head and my neck and my teeth, they all felt rotten, like I felt rotten to the bone and I never knew it. But on a subconscious level, that's actually how I felt about myself, that I was rotten to the bone. And looking back, that unconscious belief has driven a lot of my life. And of course, it wasn't my fault. You don't, you're not born believing that you're rotten to the bone. It's, it's a response to trauma. Um, but I guess the hyper-independent, re responsible personality I adopted where I refused to let anyone in or to need anyone, going out feeling like I wasn't good enough, like I couldn't have dreams, and doing things like working my guts out and, and ignoring all of my own needs. Well, 
I guess, you know, when I look at that, I think, well, no wonder why my body was screaming at me. So why is your body screaming at you? Okay, well, that's it. We finally got there. So this episode is a little longer than I had intended it to be, but I guess my journey was messy, really messy, and just like they can be. TMS healing journeys are not easy. Uh, the traumas and things are buried deep inside of you and your your body's trying to protect you from them. So, yeah, anyway, um, I've probably forgotten a lot too, even though it was long, uh, but there'll be more episodes, so whatever. To end this episode, I do want to leave you with a quote from The Hidden Psychology of Pain, again by Dr. James Alexander. So this quote, I think, sums up the episode very nicely. So although your pain is unwanted, it actually presents you with the possibility of emotional healing. Despite chronic pain posing a crisis in many people's lives, seen for what it really is, it actually creates an opportunity for healing of the whole person. This is not to glorify pain and suffering. but In so doing, an opportunity for the healing of deep wounds is presented as a, and as a result, I'm usually excited by the possibilities when I meet a new client who is suffering from chronic pain. They are often on the verge of some important self-discoveries and their recovery process presents an opportunity to heal both physical and psychological hurts. And that's it. That's the quote. So this healing, this whole person healing is available to you. Uh, So thank you. If you've listened to the podcast all the way to the end... Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.